This is a Two Peas special edition. to a special episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so glad that you are back with us yet again this week. We do have a top five in store for you, so don't get discouraged by that. We have a fun top five tonight, but I am beyond thrilled, and we're going to get into it here in a second as to why I'm so thrilled this week as opposed to a normal podcast week. But I have Ian and Esham Nelms here, the Nelms brothers. They are filmmakers. They're writers, directors, and they currently have a movie that is, they're going to give you the exact date, but I want to say it's going to be streaming next week after this airs, uh, like towards Thanksgiving, right guys? So it's actually, it will be theatrical coming up this weekend on the 13th, and then it starts streaming on the 24th. Dude, how awesome is it that it's going to be in theaters? Oh. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's especially with the COVID on, man, it's, it's, good, it's good to have... You know, somewhere out there, someone will be watching it in a theater. Yeah, I got to see it in a theater, which is a treat for me because, well, A, I loved it. And B, because of COVID, like you said, I haven't been in a theater since March. And, I, you know, I have a season pass in my local Alamo Draft House, and I'm always at the movies, man, like once or twice a week. And when COVID hit, I just, you know, I don't go anymore. So seeing that on the screen, man, I mean, we'll get into Fat Man, but what a great movie. Uh, you know, the Nelms Brothers, they, you guys have been around, I want to say Squirrel Trap was your first film, right? What was that? Early, yeah, two, early 2000s, right? First feature. Yeah, that was it. 2004. Three, we shot it. 2004. I think yeah. It, it, so yeah. we got it out in the world. Festivals um, with it. Yeah. Humble beginnings. It's been, a, it's been a marathon for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I want to talk about this marathon, man, because, you know, before we started recording, just to let all the listeners know, your PR person, Greg, hit me up. He said, hey, you know, the guys want to come on. They want to talk to you about Fat Man. I was like, it was so ironic because I went to see Fat Man and at a film festival here, which, by the way, I was talking to Randy and Carol beforehand, and, and they knew you really well. I guess they helped you in the old days, right, with Squirrel Trap? And oh, yeah. Stuff. With Squirrel Trap forward, man. Yeah, so we- Squirrel Trap, that was the first festival of note that we ever got into was Palm Beach nice. uh, back in the day. Randy and Carol were running that sucker. And uh, honestly, it was such a seminal experience for us. We went out there. We had a blast. We had they gave us such hospitality. Sure, um, watching it in, in real movie theaters with real people, which was was crazy because we never. That was our first movie. We never been in a movie theater with real people watching a movie of, of ours before, and it was it was crazy. It was really cool. Yeah, and it was honestly like the drug. Like once you yeah. see people like reacting to to, to the film, you're, it, it was like, oh man, we got to get more of that. And on the other side of that note, is like we also were like, holy smokes. We got to go home and cut ten minutes out of the movie. Yeah, we literally went home and cut ten minutes out because seeing with an audience for the first time, we're like, "Oh my god, it's slow here, it's slow there. We got to do this, we got to do that." Right, yeah. right. Well, the squirrel traps one that I'm having trouble finding, dudes. Somebody need you to email me. <laughs> it should be. You should. Uh, be we, right. we know some people. We could probably make. It oh out there. my god, man! But what I was going to say is, it's a cool story because I saw Fat Man, and you know, I'm just going to come clean and be fully transparent with you guys because that was about ten days ago or so that I saw that. Sc- that screening there at film fest 919 
And that was my introduction to the Nelms Brothers. So I'll just tell you guys that. So it's so crazy to me that, you know, two weeks ago, I didn't really know anything about you guys. And then I see this movie. Well, first of all, I saw the trailer. You know, the trailer came out, as you as you uh-huh. guys know, as you guys right. know. Yeah. And me and a bunch of my friends in the podcast community and just people that I'm on social media with were like, oh, my God, 2020. Finally, there's something <laughs> we have to look forward to in 2020. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, Mel Gibson is Santa Claus and Walton Goggins is a hitman hired to kill him. Yes, please. We need that. Um, <laughs> and so I was just thrilled. And then the fact that I got to see it, uh, the, you know, the full length feature was was amazing. But I, I saw that. I, I was like, this is such a, a, a unique. I really like y'all's style of filmmaking because I feel like the passion in the filmmaking comes through uh, to the viewer. Like I could really see as I was sitting in the theater, like these dudes really enjoy what they're doing. They're really trying to express you know, the passion that they have for film. Uh, and I really felt that. So I came home and I was telling you guys a couple days after I saw Fat Man and I got Small Town Crime on Amazon Prime, which I'm not going to say it was better than Fat Man, but you guys were asking about my experience from watching kind of in reverse. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and then I watched Waffle Street. So I went backwards, backwards, backwards. So those are the three films that I've had a chance to see. And it's funny going back like that. I can tell that you guys... You know, I don't know if it was because the resources came more readily available to you as projects, you know, came up, but you could tell like you guys amped it up a little bit. So Waffle Street and then you had, you know, a small town crime was like Waffle Street plus, And now we have Fat Man, which is like plus, plus, plus. You know what I mean? Do you guys want to talk a little bit about how you got from Waffle Street to Fat Man? Because it was kind of crazy for me as a viewer. Yeah, I mean, for sure. So I think uh, there's, a, there's there's probably one more yeah, there's before one, that. There's one more movie before that, which is called Lost on Purpose. Right. I know about that one. I haven't had a chance yeah, to see it yet. I want that, to really bad. Yeah. And that was like a renegade indie. Uh, it was a love letter to our hometown. We shot it in Visalia, uh, which is where we're from, Visalia, California. And we just did it with – we went out and shot it. And we go, whatever resources we have, we're going to make a movie from that. If it's $40,000, we're going to make it. Well, ultimately, we ended up making it for about two hundred grand. And pulled in every favor that we knew, our parents knew, anybody knew in the, in our hometown, and got it done. And we went out, we got into film festivals, we got into uh, Randy and, and Carol's yeah. previous, previous film festival. That was like, and that was like our third time being there because we've been there with Squirrel Trap, been there with Night of the Dog, and then we were there with with uh, Lost on Purpose. And that was our third time at, at Palm Beach International Film Festival. But that's how that's literally like the legacy with those ladies is that we every film we'd made up to a certain point, you know. It had premiered over there in Florida with them, and then they are now in North Carolina at this nine one nine fest mm-hmm. where they're where you know the legacy continues. We're excited <laughs> to have that happen. It's right. awesome. And so um, we so we've made that film with very humble means, and it got it got shown at a festival. And Autumn McAlpin, who uh, who had the rights to Waffle Street, um, heard about it, and the, the the guy said, "Hey, you should watch this." She said, "Hey, I got a I got a I've optioned this book. It's been bouncing around in development." And I'm just tired of doing that. I just want to get it made. And we've got half a million bucks to get it made. Can you, what do you, what can you guys do? And, and, and the way that came about was they watched our film, Lost on Purpose. They said, how much did you do that for? You know, because we had a big ensemble cast. That's right. Faces, names you would recognize. A, a full functioning dairy farm. <laughs> yeah, we, like, we did a lot <laughs> for 200 grand. <laughs> like we got that, that Lost on Purpose budgeted by, by a, a Los Angeles line producer. Like an indie line. And producer. the dude was like, I think we can get this done for 8 million bucks. Yeah. I think the the <laughs> lowest we ever got it was around five or something or two or it was the guy they it, the it was millions of dollars they were just like there's no way you can have a functioning dairy farm 
do all this, do all that. You got to have cattle wranglers. They were just going on and on about all the things we needed. Right. We were just like, I think we could do it for 200 grand. <laughs> so we walked off <laughs> and just did it. And like, this is a set where like our mom is catering, you know? Sure. Like, yeah. Like it, it's, it's very, very uh, Indian in spirit. Well, I read, I read, I read a little bit about, you know, your background and your, up, your upbringing in film because, you know, you guys started really kind of doing photography work for your dad, right? It was just the three of you really. Yeah. So our, our, yeah, our dad was a professional photographer for like 20 years yeah. and he would drag us along as his camera assistants. And he from also, about, from about the age of 10 years old on, we were like carrying all the soup, all the bags and the tripod cases. And this is back when film was still being shot. So we're like loading mm-hmm. his backs and doing all this stuff. <laughs> By the time he and I were like 16 years old, we've been to like 300 weddings. Right. Right. Shot pictures. Like, like he would go shoot like high school proms and, and we, we, he and I had been to like, like a hundred dances. So by the time we got into high school, we're like, we're frigging over this. Like, we don't want to go to a dance. Like, I'm, I'm never getting married. Like, I'm you know, right. Well, burnt out. Well, maybe that explains. And, and maybe that was like you're gonna. Maybe that explains yeah. Fat Man a little bit because that's so far removed from you know the wedding photography, <laughs> wedding photography scene. So uh, let me just ask you, I had a couple things jotted down here, dudes, that I wanted to make sure I asked you just yeah, because yeah. I, I am becoming such a big fan of you guys and I don't want to let this kind of opportunity to slip away. So, you know, some of these are like going to be cliche, I would think in the film industry, but I'm genuinely curious about it. And I didn't, or I, I should say, I couldn't find, you know, a ton of interviews with you guys. So maybe you've been asked it before. I apologize. So right. what, and I actually have a question from my son, my seven-year-old son, who <laughs> was so excited. Fat Man. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I took him to see Fat, fat Man. He loved it. Um, he probably would if I would let him, but no, he hasn't seen it yet. But I, he has a question for you guys, too, because I told him I was like, I'm going to be talking to these you know, big time kind of Hollywood filmmakers. And he uh, at, at age seven already knows that he wants to be in film and he's doing a little stop motions with his Legos and stuff like that. Oh, man, Dude, that's awesome. Uh, which is really cool. And then my daughter, who's 19, is in film school at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And that's she wants amazing. she wants to be an editor. So she's super wow. excited, too. But I have a question for my son that I guess is a good lead off for this kind of string of questions here. But he asks, he says, and now kids will hit you. Right, guys? They're insightful. They will hit you with the truthful questions here. So this is his wording. OK, quote unquote. He says, where do you get your movie ideas and why do you make those movies? All right. Nice. So I think I think for us, the 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 idea is just something you get excited about. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like, and, with, and literally, I remember like, we'll use Small Town Prime as an example. Ian and I are driving home to visit our parents and we're driving through the oil fields of Bakersfield. And I think one of us turns to the other one and he's like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if like there was just a body out here? <laughs> and you're like, what's well, fucked up? Like, Holy whoa, shit. like, what are you talking? And then like, you're like, yeah, what? If? And then like, and then you like start spiraling. Like, yeah, what if we you know, like some fall down drunk, woke up in the middle of an oil derrick sure. and like yeah. found a body. Sure. And that was literally the catalyst. And of that's that. like, what if he's next cop? What if he's trying to redeem himself? What if, what if, what if, and we just kind of go down the line. And I guess what we've really figured out when you kind of look back at what inspires us is that oddly, everything we've done is we kind of push it into this kind of blue collar guy, like trying to get his shit together, trying to get his life together, trying to come back. He's always down and he's trying to, Mm -hmm. he's trying to, you know, get out of this hole that he seems to be running in quicksand. And, and I, and, and we'll take that character sometimes and put him in a fantastical environment like mm-hmm. with Batman. And sometimes it's like a, you know, a thriller, dramatic sure. scenario with with uh, with with a uh, small town crime. Yeah. And I mean, and then like I think the other thing is like, let's take let's just go like tie this into Waffle Street. Right. So Waffle, like we finished 
lost on purpose. It screens. Our, we show it to our dad. And he's like, and he's like, okay, I like the film, but is there any other word that you can use other than fuck? <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of cussing. And we were like, you know what? Yeah. We'll try. Pops, yes, we we'll try. Yeah, yeah. And Wall sure. Street came to us. Like, out of the blue, right? He's like, ask for it and it shall, it shall arrive. And this book, this book shows up on our lap and it was, you know, we and I worked in restaurants and we're like, you know what? Like, this could be a great opportunity for us to do like a clean routine. Sure. And so when we said it, we got really excited about doing a clean routine movie with Waffle Street. And that was our access point. That was where we were like, okay, this is why we want to make this film. And, and, that the, and the producers were like, we think this would fare better at a PG, you know, sort of backdrop. So, I mean, they were uh, they were already in the same mindset as us and, and asking us to, would you be okay doing that? You know, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, we're actually really interested in that. Yeah. And that. Although the movie has like a lot of our personality in it, I mean, it, they, those are all hijinks of a guy's actual life that he right. was. Uh, it's a memoir that he wrote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Adams, right? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I just uh, watched that today, uh, Waffle Street. I had it in my queue, and I'm like, "Well, I'm talking to these dudes tonight, so I'm definitely going to watch it." <laughs> so I, I watched it today, and uh, what's interesting about that about Waffle Street is again, I, I got to kind of see the hierarchy of your career, the last you know few handful of films that you've done, and it's interesting to see where. You did kind of come from that more, I don't necessarily even know if PG is the right phrase, but that kind of PG film to a fat man, which is not a PG film. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of cool to see that. But I, I have a history in restaurants. I've been in restaurants for 26 years uh, oh, wow. and I'm currently the GM of, of like a quick casual concept here in North Carolina. So I had that connection to Waffle Street and I really connected to it immediately because of you know the food service. And I thought you guys were really authentic to that. I thought you stuck really well to kind of the restaurant lingo, you know, they, they said terms like in the weeds and uh, right, right, yeah. the different training uh, montages that happened in it were, were some of the things that I'd recognize seeing. So I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked Waffle Street a lot. I, awesome, just, I just saw it a couple hours ago, if I'm uh, to be honest with you. So what is, cause I know you guys write, you guys direct. I had heard, I believe that you guys do a lot of the editing as well, right? We edit under a, a pseudonym. Okay. So I wanted to ask, what is your favorite part of the creative process? Because, you know, I would imagine, you know, in anything I do, like podcasting and when I used to DJ and stuff like that, like it's, it's, it's collaborative, right? Like you have a ton of people that are putting this out. You know, it's not one person. It's not two people. But what's your favorite part as a duo or individually about the creative process? What do you enjoy the most? Would you say? I don't know that it's, it's a favorite part. They're just different legs of the journey. Mm hmm. So like when, and they just have different faucets to them. When, we're, when Ian and I are writing, that's, that's, that's really fun because sure. we, we get to get, get hyped up about ideas. We'll spitball, we'll whack, we'll, but then that's it's also, kind of the, it's kind of the freest point, right? Yeah. Cause you, we're, we're literally just shooting the shit, throwing it back and forth, having right. fun with it, getting excited about ideas, putting it down, passing it to the other one, passing it back, building this idea, building it out. It's and also it the really most fun. important part. It process. is very important. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You got to have a, you got to have a script that you're excited about and that you're confident with and that hopefully people dig and that you go out with. And it's the cheapest part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because right, it's just it. it's just BS and it's just coming up with those ideas, man. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, so give me some titles, dudes. Like what uh, you know, what movies really. And I'm, I'm not saying like, you know, that are in your collection or that you love necessarily. I'm sure that will be the case. But I mean, what movies or filmmakers even really like inspired you guys to say, OK, I'm going to make movies because I know, you know, I had seen some of your background and stuff and I know, you know, you went to art school and then you guys had a lot of different kind of areas that don't necessarily scream film. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's but that's obviously what you're doing and, and you're doing great, great things in it. So what are some of those movies or filmmakers that you guys were like, yeah, this this is what I need to be doing? Well, it, it, but it kind of evolved. Yeah, it started, it started so, with our. So when we when we first got it, like when we first like our mom is a movie fanatic. Mm-hmm. So she had like a, a subscription to the Clint Eastwood collection. <laughs> nice. So we would get a different Eastwood classic like every other week. And nice. it would be like all the Westerns, the Dirty Harry Dirty series, Harry's, yeah. even like. Some of the the lesser known like Firefox, Tiger like, Sanction, you know, like we were wow. we were eating wow. all those up. We would get a new one every two weeks, and we would just wear them out, man. We would watch them over and over and over again. We, we also had like the staples, right? We had Star Wars in the house. We sure. got all the Indiana Jones and, and Terminator. I, we were crazy about like Terminator and Aliens and Predator, Predator, and I mean crazy about Predator. Sure, Terminator. Yeah, Terminator. yeah like, we would watch those movies to death. Um, but those movies are such a, a, a at the time such high production value. Right? Sure. They just feel like you can't see them. You can't see it working. You, you it's really, just magic on the screen. Yeah, so. you can't really see the craft in it, um, especially for us as, as lay as lay people. Then yeah, we just enjoyed it, and it wasn't a career. I mean, mm-hmm. we we talk to people now that are or some of our friends, and they're like, "Oh, I went to film high school." Like, oh, is that a thing? Yeah, I'm like, holy smokes. Like, you've picked your path, like, when you're in high school? Like, like right. we realized that last year of college, you know, we were kind of like, oh, that that would be a lot of fun. Is that even something we could figure out how to do? You right, know? sure. I was literally going to – I didn't know what I was going to do, but I have a passion for cars. So, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll be an auto mechanic. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the passion for cars came through in small town crime. <laughs> a lot of sweet cars. It does, it does pop up. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it definitely – like, yeah, that passion for sheet metal bleeds through, but – Sure. I went off to art school and – I'm oh, sorry. So like some of the filmmakers. So then and as we got – it was we got into movies mm-hmm. and then Ian and I – we'll have to jump forward. And we'll get back into that moment where like we decided to be filmmakers. But when we moved to LA and we were going to go to film school and we ultimately didn't, we just said, you know, I got reared in a car accident. So we took the money <laughs> and we bought the DVX100 camera and we just started shooting stuff. And then we went on this self-education like, yeah, and we watched. I mean, it's some of our favorite stuff from that time is like Last Picture Show. Oh, okay. HUD. Um, you know, we were just really like Hal Ashby movies. Yeah, we were really just deep diving into sort of the '60s and '70s classics and just chewing them up, and just going, "Wow, this is really good. This is really great stuff." Um, and from there, I guess you could kind of go back. And why those were sort of tantalizing to us is because we both had this moment in college where I was watching these two movies one night. And it was, it ended up being uh, The Barfly with Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one was The Real Blonde with Matthew Modine. And they were on like an IFC up all night or some kind of really late thing we were watching. So it was like from, you know, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Those, those two films played. And I'm over in Kansas City going to art school. I remember I call them in the morning and I'm like, man, I just watched these two films last night and they totally blew my mind. I think, you know, like <laughs> making movies is really what I want to be doing. Like, yeah. I'm like, wait a second, dude. I just watched two movies last night. <laughs> announced each other we were watching the same ifc up all night in different states oh, and we man. were both like like super affected by these two movies as nuts as that is and uh you could see the craft in them though you could see there's like sure. four actors and some extras in barfly you know there's not a lot of cast in that and no. then you've got like three or four locations and it's just a great performance by mickey work oh, yeah B- uh, barfa is one of the great character studies in cinema so good. I, I mean it's so good no doubt yeah. no doubt well you know so you could see how to do that you know you could be like oh i see it's a couple locations a couple actors get a camera point that so there's nothing too complicated in it seemingly <laughs> right no i see what you're saying so it's not like the heightened special effects and all these millions yeah. of dollars for cgi and whatever that you that you got in terminator 2 and stuff like that but it's just this dude at a bar 
Uh, just an amazing character stuff, exactly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, with a pipe, you know? And you're like, okay, like, <laughs> who likes to fight? And, you know, like, well, I think you okay. could write a, a scene with a bunch of, about our we idiot friends, we like, in a bar. Like, right. let's try that, you know? It's like, <laughs> I, Ian was literally like, I was having a miserable time at art school. Yeah. And Ian was like, dude, come home this summer. We'll write some scripts and, like, we'll make some movies. And so that's literally what I did. I came home that summer. We, we, we appropriated... Uh, our parents' video camera, which we promptly broke uh, a couple weeks later, <laughs> but we, we shot some you know, stuff and just oh, like no. really like like just like homage stuff. Like we literally went to the bowling alley and like recreated the scene from Big Lebowski and oh, stuff like great. that, like fun stuff. Yeah, yeah that- and we were just having a blast with it. But we were we were getting really excited about it. We wrote our first script and like you know it was not great, cool idea, <laughs> not great um, and so yeah we, we were just getting our feet wet and then we decided you know what we like we really like this like let's move down to la so we moved down to la and from there it was just man we, we just been hacking our way through it trying to figure it out because we didn't know anybody we didn't know anything about it and it was literally like we've just been self-educating reading and shooting and, and then just trying to figure out how to do it how to get in there and we squirrel trap came squirrel trap came about because we were in town for about a year i think we moved down here about 2002 june and we'd been in town about a year when we realized, like, oh, like, everybody's got a script. Like, we got to make something, right. show these people, like, why this, why we know how to write. Like, hey, you know, I know what the problem is. <laughs> they got to see it up on the screen. Well, and, and also, right. like, we didn't go to, like, we, we, we knew enough to be dangerous. Like, we, like, a lot of the, the skills that we had gathered in our life up to that point were sort of pointing us in this direction of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But we had never made a film. We had, like, we had edited together some small scenes. And, and 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 we're like, let's just try to make a feature. Like all of our, all of our, many of our good friends like went to USC and they had formal educations, and they were working with me at ArcLight Hollywood. And, and we were like, you know, let's just go grab some actors out of ArcLight and out of Ian's restaurant. Ian's working at Tony Roma's, and like go make something in the woods. Like so we let's cast, go do it. So we cast out of the movie theater in the restaurant, and we had like five people, and we had uh, fifteen hundred bucks, and we shot the whole thing for fifteen hundred bucks in seven days. <laughs> And then oh, we man. edited it all together on a laptop and we didn't know anything about post or finishing. So we sure. were just doing it all on laptop and Esther's was like, that ah, looks a little green. And so he'd like color correct it. <laughs> and then at the end of it, we're like, what is with all this fucking, you go scene to scene. And it's like, Hey, yeah. And then the ambience all, you go to the next scene. It's all. We're like, what is going on here? Making movies is hard. We gotta push. <laughs> like, then we learned how to fade audio into the next scene. So like oh, we literally man. was like just a trial by error and we put that whole feature together um, and we like started shipping it off to film festivals, you know? Yeah. And then DV, one DVD at a time and finally the Palm Beach International Film Festival was like, hey, we, we want to play this. And we were like, amazing. Yeah, so, that had to be. Time, it was a top 20 film festival. It was amazing. We got in there. It, nice. We showed up and it's like we're talking to people that spent like. 200 grand yeah everybody had a film that was six figures there and a feature film that was six figures sure we were the only idiots there with a fifteen hundred dollar movie <laughs> that we'd all posted ourselves on a on an imac at home and it like everyone's like how much did you spend on your feature well uh 1500 bucks <laughs> we were like we thought we were breaking the bank oh we like, man we got, every, we got everything man. in on this we, we were all in, we were all in yeah chumps with only 1500 bucks for squirrel trap i don't know what y'all are doing <laughs> You, you mentioned getting the actors out of your restaurant to, to perform in the woods and do Squirrel Trap, right? So I had a list here of some of these actors, guys. I mean, you guys know. I mean, you're living it over there. But Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, John Hawks, Octavia Spencer, Anthony Anderson, the incomparable Dale Dickey, Robert Forster. 
Yeah, that was amazing. Oh my God, I me mean, rest in peace. But God, man, it's just such an icon, Robert Forster. What are you guys doing, man? <laughs> where, where, where are you? I mean, you know, I've I've heard that you have a little bit of a background with Octavia Spencer, but you know, I guess I wanted to ask, you know, where did that start? Because these are obviously big, big names, and you guys are obviously trying to make a name for yourself. So, you know, how would you describe that journey to kind of land these big names? Well, I think every every movie is different. So I, I know when we did um, Waffle Street, like we knew James Lafferty, who was from One Tree Hill. Oh, he's great. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were introduced to James through uh, our manager. We shared a manager at the time. And she's like, hey, you know what? Like James is writing screenplays. He's really talented as a writer. And she's like, you want, you know, could you read some of his stuff and just sit back? And, and he wants to read some of your stuff because I've been telling him about it. We're like, all right, great. So he read a couple of our scripts. We read a couple of his scripts. He came into town from North Carolina and he was like, hey, I'm in town for a week. You guys want to grab a bite and talk about these scripts? We're like, hell yeah. So we sit down with him. We're just going back and forth about, oh, we like this. We like that. Blah, blah, blah. At the time we were writing Lost on Purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we finished with the meeting, we're like, man, he'd make a good, the, the character's name's uh, Fever. Fever <laughs> Rooker in the in the in the film and we were just like you make a really good rooker and we were like yeah yeah and then so we finished the script and we said hey man would you be down to read this because i think you would like we really want you to play you tell us what character you want to play honestly like where do you want to go with this because there's there was five guys and they all had a very different way of uh, like one guy was like a fighter a wrestler and the other sure. guy was like a mechanic and it had a lot to do with us and growing up where we in our friends and so it was like every one of our personalities of friends were in these guys and we said, which guy speaks to you? And he picked the Rooker character. And he was like, I actually, I grew up in a small town. I know these guys. This is crazy. Like, I mean, he's like, he's like, I, I, I want to be in this. I want to do this. And so he was our first attachment out of that thing. And we were like, all right, well, shit, I think we got something here. Like, and I think with, with like James's motivation, like a lot of people says, like, we're going to go out there and leave everything out on the set. Like yeah. we go at all in, you know, when we sign up to do something, we're, we're all in. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, we, but it's also, it's, it's fun, it's challenging, and we try to make a really positive environment for everyone to come into. Mm-hmm. And I think that that seems to be something that is enticing to a lot of people. Yeah, so I, it, I guess it, it keeps continues to roll downhill, right? So we end up working with a lot of the same people again. Like I think we've worked with James in like four features and- We just produced a TV series. produced an entire TV show with him. Oh, that's great. That he wrote, wrote, directed, and starred in um, and produced. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then Danny, like we submitted, like we submitted the script to Danny's agent and he liked it and he came on and he did that Waffle Street with us, uh, for small town crime. It's a little bit different story. Yeah. We needed more money on, on small town crime. Cause it was a much bigger film. I was like, okay, how, we actually need a couple million bucks here. Mm-hmm. And the producers from Waffle Street were like, Hey, what else you guys got? Like, that was a great experience. And we're like, oh, well, we've got these, this crime thriller that we wrote. That's fucking nothing like <laughs> Waffle Street. <laughs> But and we had actually been writing like what's kind of crazy is we wrote Small Town Crime and Fat Man way before Waffle yeah. Street. Oh wow! Like, okay, we wrote those scripts in two thousand two, two thousand three when we yeah. first got to town. Those were some of the first scripts we were writing. Well, and, well, Fat Man was Fat Man was. Yeah, we've been continuing to work on it. And then we wrote. Then. I think we wrote Small Town in around eight or ten, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was a little. I later. can't remember. It was a little later, but it was a little bit later because we we realized. No one was going to let us shoot. No one was going to let us shoot these bigger, wild other ones we had because they were just like, we can't give you that much money when you haven't proved that you, you know, you kind of have to work your way sure. up the ladder, kind of thing. Sure. So we like we were writing, we were writing like down the rungs. So we were like wrote Fat Man, and we're like, okay, well, you can't make that movie's too expensive. So then we wrote another script, and like, well, that one feels a little too too expensive too. And so then we wrote 
small town crime that which was small town crime so we'd we did Wobble Street, and they said, "What else you got?" We said, "Hey, we got this crime thriller that's fucking crazy, but we're we're excited about it." They said, "Okay, let's read that." And they read it, and they said, "We got some financiers that might be interested in this." They're like, "But you're going to need an A-list, a star. You know, you're going to need somebody. You're going to need a name or a face. Like, you're going to need someone that's going to be able to get you the financing. I, they're not just going to give you the money." But they were like, "The money's here. We like this script. We like you guys. If you can get a, a star on here, like, let's do it." And so we had met Octavia Spencer in a group of friends back in '02, and, and that group of friends is sort of sort of centralized around Stephen Rogers. Uh, he's a writer. He most recently did I Tanya. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. And he's just a super gregarious guy, and he's really generous with he's introducing. A great people. human being. And so we met uh, Octavia at the, at one of his parties. He has these kind of parties, and he's just like, "Hey, come meet and greet everyone, yeah, show hang out." Mm-hmm. And yeah. Octavia was shooting a short film with uh, Tate Taylor, who directed The Help. Mm-hmm. And Brunson Green, Green who produced, produced the help. And they, like, we're, I remember Ian and I were sitting there, like, hey, we just got the DVX 100 camera, and we're out <laughs> shooting all these movies and, like, trying to learn how to make films. And they were shooting, and they were going to, they were shooting this short, and they needed somebody to shoot uh, the flashback sequences. And they were trying to figure out what kind of look they wanted on these flashback sequences because they were shooting the main thing in film. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so Octavia was starring in this thing called Chicken Party. And I remember Brunson came up to us and said, wait, y'all got. DVX 100 camera? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, I think we're going to have to borrow that. And we're, we're like, like, whoa. Borrow like, my <laughs> our baby? I don't like, know. So we said, well, what you can do, what we will allow, <laughs> is for us to shoot those for you. Because uh, we were trying to get some experience. So we were like, sure. hey, we would love to shoot those for you. We'll bring our camera and, you know. We'll shoot them for free. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we came, we shot them for free. And we shot, like, I think two or three weekends with them and got each one of them done. And it was, it was a freaking riot. Like, Octavia okay. Spencer's just running around, just cutting so everybody three, up. So like, the three, so the, the, Three of the other, the three stars of it are, are really uh, there's Tate who's who's also directing and writing, and then there's Allison Janney who it was had been on the West Wing but was not Allison Janney who Allison Janney is now like now right. she's won an Oscar and she's a big big freaking deal. sure yeah uh, and uh, and Octavia and Melissa McCarthy and Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer those were like, those, oh okay wow okay yeah it's pretty strong uh, <laughs> yeah strong male empowerment <laughs> yeah, it was real strong and they were all really ridiculously funny in it and you're like how are these people not superstars well they became superstars because you could just tell they were so damn funny yeah um and and so we shot that for them got to meet all those people while and, we were shooting that and that was our ingratiation to octavia yeah wow and that's so great and, and when it comes, i'm sorry no i was gonna say and then that kind of like rolled yeah. rolled over into other stuff well, she went to screenings of our films at film festival she went to santa barbara and we won an award over there for for night of the dog like she went to that screening with a bunch of uh, with with that group of friends and they all watched wow. and laughed. And we're excited for us and that was a five thousand dollar movie and, night of the dog and so she she's really generous she she always reaches back tries to help her friends and and and, and folks come, yeah, come we're up far with from the only people she's helped she, we're and, and she had us uh, developing a, a series with her at the time. Oh, okay. And series. Also, so, book she had the rights to. So when this opportunity came to do Small Town, we knew Octavia's kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And that is she loves crime thrillers. She oh. loves the whole crime thriller genre. And I remember we were watching like Making of a Murderer. And she's like, I know he did it, y'all. Like I could see it in his eyes. <laughs> like she just loved it. She loves to like, you know, guess the mystery and try to get ahead of it, but be surprised sure. when she doesn't guess her ride. Yeah, she's, she loves it. <laughs> so Ian and I are like over there, we're working on the, the project. We had just finished Waffle Street and we were showing her the trailer because it's about to be released. And she was like, Oh my god, I love Danny Glover. She was like pumped for us. And then we're like, Oh hey, you should check out this uh, you know, this this uh, crime thriller we're doing. We just had the lookbook for it. So she's looking at the lookbook, she's oh damn, oh ooh. 
ooh. And she's like, give me that script. Let me read that script. This looks good, y'all. So we give her the script. And like 24 hours later, she called us. She's like, all right, I'm in. I'm EPing this shit. <laughs> who are we going out? Give me a list, boys. Give me a list. So we make these lists, this list of 10 actors that we wanted. And we went over to her house and we just sat down and went through this. And we all landed on John Hawks. We're like, that's who we got to get. We sure. got to get John Hawks. Good call. I mean, good call. He was fucking amazing in that. Uh, Dude, he's such a beast. And he, he was, was uh, I mean, God, he was in almost every frame of that movie. I mean, he really... He, he really did an amazing job in that film. I love him as an actor anyway. And then when I saw his name on that project and I was in the Nelms Brothers rabbit hole already, I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, by the way, real quick, I just want to mention, did you guys see Octavia in Ma a couple years ago? The horror? Absolutely. Yeah, yep. dude. Yep. How good was she? She was hamming. I'm a big horror fan. So uh, it's my favorite genre of film, the other, generally speaking. The other fun part of that is like, you know, another movie that she and Tate get to do together. And it's like you just you just see how those relationships form and blossom and yeah, bloom sure. and turn into because I mean, you know, Tate was writing these little horror films, these kind of cool thriller like these, uh, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say like southern southern fried thrillers that sure. he had kind of going before he got the help going. Yeah, um, and, and, yeah, man, it's cool to see him get back to those roots. And just to hear you guys, you know, talking about this because you said that was in the was that O two when you really kind of started your journey of kind of like meeting folks and collaborating in the early two thousands. And then fast yeah. forwarding to now, you know, my daughter's in film school and he, and when I talk to her and I'm like, you know, she's telling me about these different projects she has to do and uh, you know, that she has to turn in for grades and stuff. But it's like I'm asking her and this is a this is a film school and I'm asking her like Cause I'm used to college, you know, like normal kind of college. So I'm like, what are the assignments? And she's like, there's no assignment. You just meet people on campus and you make shit together. And I'm like, what did they give you grades for that? So she's like collaborating, you know, I kind of hear what you guys are saying now from, you know, 20 years ago as to kind of what she's doing right now, which is re- yeah. really cool. It gives me goosebumps, man. man. I love, you know, I love seeing these films and kind of knowing where that, you know, kind of collaboration starts. So a, a cool question I want to make sure I ask you because we're talking about all these great actors that you've had the opportunity to work with. Who is your dream land? Who, what actor or actress would you just love? And I, you know, obviously we're talking in the realm of reality here <laughs> that you, that I you mean, would, look, man, would like, love to we get love a lot of, yeah, there's so many talented actors in the world. I, I can't, I, I got I a couple, I got a couple, I, I got a couple I want to throw at you, but go ahead. It really depends on the project for us. I mean, we love character actors and we also, sure. there's some amazing A-listers that play themselves that are just fucking amazing that I would love to work with as well. So, but I mean, like getting Bob was amazing. Bob Forster was one oh, who was on God, the list, yes. man. Oh my he God, man. I just saw him uh, in his last film role. Another filmmaker, by the way, that I absolutely adore that I, I, I'm kind of putting you guys in that new wave of filmmakers. I got a list here that I was going to go over with you and I was going to ask if you were comfortable being on that list. But Jim Cummings, uh, Jim Cummings is another oh, I filmmaker. I love Jim Cummings, yeah. I don't know him, but I know his films. But yeah. that I love. And uh, he, um, I got to meet him a couple of years ago. He was doing like a tour for Thunder Road, which was his debut film. And one of my favorite films of the last decade. That's and he, he just did a Wolf of Snow Hollow with Robert Forster. It was his last I'm film. I'm dying to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm dying to see it. I know that was Bob's last film. I literally called him while he was on that set. Oh, man. Because we were talking to him about something else. And he was like, oh, I'm up here. I'm here making a werewolf movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you serious? I can hear like, Yeah, man, it's it's a cool script. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I like, could hear I could hear him doing it, man. He, he was so good in it. It was such a beautiful send-off for his career, too, I thought. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend checking that out, guys. I, 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 know, I know that you guys yeah. will love it, too. So I want to get into Fat Man here in a second, but I just wanted to throw this name out real quick based on the question I just asked you, okay? Yeah, go ahead. Nicholas Cage. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, he's amazing. Oh, 
He's amazing. As Dude, almost, Mandy? As yeah. yeah. Have you seen Mandy, right? Uh, I mean, see it. God. I mean, yes. Seeing seeing what I've seen of the Nelms brothers, and then what Nicholas Cage when he gets into that method, those method roles, man. I'm just sure, gonna yeah. I'm just gonna throw it out there, brother. So yeah, uh, dude, we're 100, 100. Yeah, no, no. There's some. There's. Uh, I mean, there's times where we're literally like, oh man. There's other scripts we have where we're just we would Jones to get him hell, in that role. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. So I want to talk a little bit about Fat Man, and I wanted to lead in with really a theme that I've noticed. And I don't, um, but I love the way I've noticed it. So in all the films that I've seen of you guys, there's a, like a recurring interracial ingredient, interracial relationship going on. But I love how it's so kind of subdued and kind of a backdrop. Is that based on y'all's upbringing in any way? Or where does that come from? Because I'm not wrong, right? Like there's an interracial kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Focused more or less. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, something that we love doing. It's how we see the world, and it's the world that we want to portray on screen. Okay, it's, it's really just that simple. That's yeah. all. That and I love how because you don't make it a thing, right? It's just like there, and I love that. So right. I'm assuming you guys did that purposely, but I wanted to tell you I think that's a great uh, vehicle the way that you did it because it, you're not making it like a plot point. It's just something that that exists, and and it and we as movie as a movie audience should be okay with that. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be a reason to have to explain it. Do you know what I mean? So I really uh, wanted to commend that. Now, the reason I obviously led with that is because we have a wonderful uh, relationship. Mel Gibson, obviously portraying Chris Kringle, uh, who we all know as the lovable Santa Claus, of course. And then uh, Marianne Jam, uh, John Batiste as his wife, uh, I guess the titular kind of Mrs. Claus, so to speak. But I love that because you, I didn't expect that as a viewer. Did you kind of know that was going to kind of blindside people that 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 wasn't going to be kind of the old lady Mrs. Claus image that we're used to? Or did you guys we were just definitely do hoping to have some fun with it and catch people off guard with it? Absolutely. And yeah. we thought it would be really fun and cool and awesome. And we were super excited about it. And I remember talking to Marianne about it. And when she um, when we had the phone call after she'd read it and she was like, you know what I love about this? We're like, what? She's like, you don't ever talk about it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, awesome. She's like, it, she loved that exact same thing about it. And then she was like, now the question here is, what do you want to do with my accent? And we were like, <laughs> we want exactly what you have. Just, <laughs> she was like, where, she's like, where, what region? What, what am I? I'm like, Minneapolis? Or <laughs> yeah, she was like trying to nail down a, a state. And we were like, no, 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 keep the UK. Like we want, we want the London accent. She's like, really? She's like, and then she's wait a second. She's like, Ooh, I like that. You know, like she understood like instantly how much possible background that gave their relationship. It was like, wow, where'd they meet? You know, that's interesting. Right. I don't know if you guys heard the mini review I put out a couple weeks ago when I saw the movie, but you know, one of the things that me and my partner that saw it with me really loved about Fat Man was the amount of heart in in the movie, which I assume, you know, is derived from the script, yes, but also the actors kind of portrayals of these roles. And Mel Gibson, man, I mean, he's one of the all times. I mean, he's been doing this forever, you know, and he rarely disappoints. And I feel like always gives 110 percent in his movies. And you see the tagline for Fat Man, you know, in the trailer, like I mentioned to you that, that I was able to see when it came out. And you kind of think to yourself like, OK, these guys are having a good time. They're just doing whatever the hell they want. Santa Claus is, you know, there's a hit out on Santa Claus. This is going to be the cheesiest thing I've ever seen. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to be super cheese fest, right? But then you get in there and there was so much heart in this movie, man. Like when you guys wrote that, I mean, you know, the relationship between them, yes. But I mean, other little things built into it, too. And I don't want to give away too many plot spoilers because the movie's just coming out. But 
you know, like uh, when Chris Kringle has this the speech to his elves, to his employees. Um, yeah. And the performance that Mel gives there, man, I mean, you're just like, yeah. is this dude going for an Oscar? What's going on here? <laughs> like, you know, he just did really, really well. So when you guys wrote that, did you see that depth of kind of emotion there in this film? We absolutely. did. Yeah. We absolutely did. And it it comes down to this. The first time we sat down with him, um, he was talking about that scene in particular he was talking about. And he said, and this is when we knew we had the right guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, you know, that scene where I'm looking out over the balcony and I'm trying to tell my elves, you know, like we're going to break the news to him. <laughs> oh, this is the worst thing ever. He's like, I should be I think I should be like almost in tears. I should be that distraught telling them about this because it's heartbreaking. And then we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, and that's what's going to make it so funny. And we're all, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he got the layers. He got the layers right away. He got, right. he got like, okay, we're going to sell the shit out of this ground. And, and that's what's going to make it interesting and real and feel like, you know, this could actually happen rather than, you know, and then one of the things we were trying to stay away from in the film is those fantastical moments. You know, we sure. wanted to wink and, 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 and nod to those moments, but mm-hmm. we didn't want to have him flying across the moon or, right. you know, like pulling a candy cane out of, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't want it like, we didn't want it kitschy, you know, we wanted it real and grounded so that you could buy into the human being first or the people and then go, oh yeah, shit, I got to remind myself, this guy's fucking Santa, you know, like, right. No, he's just he's a, like you get to know him as a man first, you know. Well, I love that. I mean, I loved it. I just, I mean, I, there's no mystery to you guys that I love the movie, but I love that kind of unexpected uh, heart that existed throughout the film. And of course, uh, you know, a lot to be said for Mel's Gibson's performance and a lot of the other actors in the film. Speaking of the other actors in the film, Walton Goggins, guys, uh, <laughs> is a goddamn treasure uh, in the universe. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I fell in love with him on a TV show on HBO called Vice Principals a while back. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Years. <laughs> well, he ran for a couple of seasons with Danny McBride. And I'm just kind of, you know, I love that kind of dick humor, you know, it's kind of <laughs> silly, stupid stuff. And I just thought he was so great in that and so hilarious. In this movie, he, on the flip side of Mel Gibson, given that kind of like tortured him at the end of my rope, kind of like I'm run down, retired, I'm ready to retire, old age kind of performance and then we get Walton Goggins kind of dialed up where he's this hitman that's literally cold-blooded doesn't care about anything but but killing and getting the hit but he's so funny uh, throughout the course of the film and I'm just wondering when you guys wrote these characters did you know um, I mean what, I, I assume this because you said you wrote this a long long time ago so I assume well, we, we, wrote, been yeah, we, so we wrote it for every like, year like 12 like 14 to 12 years ago but every subsequent year, we've we've done a polish, we've revamped it, so it's evolved over time. Yeah. But I, did you know? I mean, did you know the skinny man character was just going to be so damn funny, or did Walton we or did Walton Goggins so. kind of turn turn it into that? We thought so, but Walton does his own thing. Okay, so you, you've got what your idea of what that's going to be in there, and then if the person you cast in there is going to add a layer, and that's what you want. You want that person to bring their A game. And figure out their way into it as a human being and to be able to to find some nuance in those lines. And, of course, he's squeezing out every ounce of nuance he could find in every moment of that character. And that's what makes him, in my opinion, so interesting to watch. So and he does that in every role. You're just No matter who he's playing, you just can't take your eyes off of him. Yeah, so yeah, Walton brings his triple A game. Oh, he's yeah. he's the best. He's so good. Everything I see him in, I'm just like, man, this guy is really, really good. And no exception to Fat Man. <laughs> I just want to give kind of like a little fanboy moment to you dudes and just kind of commend you and praise you and tell you that if I had to choose one scene 
uh, to say like I'm a Nelms Brothers fan, it would be the winter scene. And again, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but the winter scene at the end, towards the end of this film, um, when Walton confronts Santa and we get kind of the showdown, so to speak. Just, you can, I, I think we can speak about it generally for sure because sure. it's definitely in the trailer, you know? Uh, yeah, you absolutely. absolutely. The showdown? Absolutely. I mean, this the imagery, the different imagery that I love as an audience member, like, the, you know, blood in the snow kind of imagery, which probably tracks back a little bit to my, my horror affinity. But I, I just love the way it was shot. Uh, it was a little reminiscent after going back and watching Sm- Small Town Crime of that showdown scene at the, at the kind right. of the train, the train station. But I, talk about filming that because that was done, I thought, so well. There's a great amount of tension in that film, and it's very realistic. I love the dialogue between the two characters. Like I said, it is probably, I mean, I'd have to really think about this, and plus I don't want to offend you guys, but I want to say that's probably my favorite Nelms Brothers scene at this point, early in my that's kind amazing. of viewing. So talk a little bit about filming that scene because that was an amazing scene in my opinion. Oh, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, thank um, you. That's amazing. Thank you. I mean, look, honestly, those those take a tremendous amount of planning. Mm-hmm. So we and uh, so Ian and I, our, our process for those is like we storyboard out everything. So we storyboarded it out. Then we had the whole like layout built to spec, right? Like how we wanted to do it. Right. And same with Small Town Crime. We were able to, we didn't have a lot of money, but one thing we found was this crazy old military train yard in Utah where they were like, hey, we don't mind moving this shit around. You just got to pay the forklift guys a couple of bucks and they'll come out here and move all the stuff around. So they literally moved those train tracks and train cars around for us with giant forklifts. Wow. But there's something out of like aliens. You're like, holy <laughs> shit, they have forklifts that big? They're literally as big as an apartment building and there's little guys driving them. And it was incredible yeah. to lift those things up and carry them around. But they moved everything for us. Nothing, none of that was there. They moved it all over for us with these things in one afternoon. And then the same thing on a smaller scale in Fat Man, whereas we had to basically create a paintball field. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we wanted to go blah, 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 blah. And we just built it out there. And then it was, it was just kind of ticking it off one motion at a time and really tricky to shoot in snow because you've got continuity you, of the you snow. You have to go kind of backwards because – is, is, or in order and as soon as you go in and you pull back you see there's too much you send a film crew in there and they're stomping it all down so you it was it was really tricky to shoot finding the order of it because everywhere you look it has to look like it's pristine snow around them sure yeah, yeah. and yeah. like i mean so we got four days to shoot the uh the showdown in mm-hmm. fat man and of course it was the most miserable fucking weather it was negative <laughs> 36 all four days it oh would take two it would take two idiots from California yeah. to think riding a gun battle in the snow is a good idea. <laughs> like it was fucking and, and like to think in the script that we had written oh, that man. written that Mel comes out in only a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Not right. Oh like, yikes. That, it would have killed the poor man. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, and it's different because I think when you live in those temperatures, at least from what we've seen, you're not outside. 14 hours a fucking day you're outside for like yeah. an hour doing something you, you check the mail or check the mail or yeah. something. like they're, they're they're smart over there they yeah know. they're they yeah. you know they they get away from the weather as much as they can but they also know how to to live in it but well, yeah we were out there for 14 hours a day for three days straight and everybody was numb and frostbitten and a wreck by the time we got out of there because you're just racked by 14 hours but, of weather yeah, but sure. what was amazing is mel would be out there and look ian and i are dressed to like summit everest yeah we <laughs> got like I'm complaining about how cold it is but i'm literally i yeah i'm in antarctica gear with the, with the huskies like, ready to go. And, and like mel is out there in his costume and yeah like he's he's got some long johns on and some pocket warmers fingerless gloves but he's handling a, a weapon, so he's got fingerless gloves. Sure. And, and 
and he's out there and, and we're like, okay, Mel, like I remember we finished the setup. I'm like, okay, well, Mel, go get in the warming tent. Like you're good, dude. You don't need to be hanging out here in this weather while we set up this next shot. And he's like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, no worries. And he had a green tea and we're setting up and then I could turn, you know, I turn around 15 minutes later and he's still standing there like, oh, Mel, did we not tell you to go back? He's like, no, no, it's all good. Like you guys are out here. I'm going to be out here. Nice. And honestly, it was, he was out there the entire time. Such a boss. Man. All four days refused to go to the warming tent and was literally telling everybody on that first day, you're all out here. I'm out here. I'm not going into the fucking warming tent. We're like, absolutely. And it galvanized the shit out of everybody. Everybody's like, Mel wants it. We're out here. We're going for it. Let's go, guys. <laughs> no more complaining. Everyone's like, we're passionate about this. This scene's going to rock. And everyone was just all in, man. And, and Walton was the same way. Those, Walton was the same way. He was so amped to work with, with Mel, and he was all in. And I remember at one point, they did a lot of the, that scene themselves. Rolling around in the snow. There's a, but yeah. we had stunt performers there to yeah. do some stuff. And I remember at one point, we had like a stunt performer in for something, and Walton's like, are you kidding this is why I'm here. This is the price of admission. Let me in there, baby. <laughs> so he came running in, jumped on the ground. You know, he like he was pumped, man. It was and it was That's miserable great. weather, but they were just so excited. It was like kids in a candy store, man. They were just really pumped to do it. And yes. another thing, like Ian and I, like like in some of those in our shootout scenes, right? Like there, there's two schools of thought, right? One where you like, okay, like we'll just comp everything in in VFX later, yeah. right? Like it's one school of thought, and and a lot of people do it with success, but for us, like we love. And this it started as a, as sort of a, a bit of ignorance. We were we were doing one of the early shootouts, and we and and we said, "Oh, hey!" Like the guy comes up to us, the armor, and he's like, "What do you want? Like quarter, half, or full loads?" And we're like, "Well, what's the cost?" Right? Because we're trying to be frugal. Sure. And he's like, "Well, it's the same." And we're like, "Oh, oh well, full." full. Like, like, what are we doing? Right? <laughs> right. <Adventure> hours? <laughs> Come on! So we, Naturally, like, he loads up. This is this is on small town. He loads up the AR-15s and he gets out Thinking there. Thinking we know what we're talking about, he loads this shit up with yeah. full loads. And we give it to sure. the actors and they're out there and they're like, Bah! Like foot and a half of flame coming yeah. out of the barrels, like full on, like incredible, <laughs> fucking crazy. And they're like, "This is amazing!" And we're like, "That is amazing." So like, what we realize, like, like going those full loads, it just gives you a visceral. It those things are just belching fire, and the guns kick in, and yeah. every, like it really feels like you know it doesn't. They're not like pew 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 or having to do the kick themselves yeah. it's like right. it's all there man boom holy shit boom, yeah i love it boom. and they're there and they're visceral man and I, like I, hopefully it's undeniable that walton was yes. having a freaking blast with that yeah. no question no i mean no <laughs> no question that, that car walton <laughs> he was killing it man he was loving it who uh so i mentioned that was probably my favorite scene right i love possibly my favorite line is in small town crime which i just saw a few days ago don't forget when uh john hawks is facing imminent death right and he's at the <laughs> showdown and he's meeting with that hitman which by the way i love that fucking actor i don't have jeremy ratchford okay great yeah. i was gonna say i don't have his name in front of me but damn he was so good and so mean-spirited just did a really really good job in that role killed it but, uh, you know, Hawks is facing imminent death and they're staring each other down and the hitman goes, are you drunk? And he goes, I'm, I'm comfortable. <laughs> so I don't know which one of you dudes is responsible for that uh, line. Uh, I can't remember, but because as we toss it back and forth, we literally can't remember who wrote half the game lines. You know I mean? But I that loved line that. It's totally in there just because we wanted to. It's funny how these lines come out. I mean, we weren't like, oh, this is going to be the line, you know, but it is one of those lines in that movie. Yeah. But it is, it's supposed to be in there to where it gives a, a obviously a very obvious nod 
but obviously said in a wonderful way because you got John Hawk saying it, but it's just to give you a nod that like, this is where this character is comfortable. (laughs) Three sheets to the wind. You're going to get a hell. He's going to be at top game. You know, he's not like a normal person. He's the guy who's a functioning alcoholic. And once he gets a little lit, he's actually at his best. Right. Right. He's loose, you know, he like, yeah. he's confident. Because he starts that, he says, do you mind if I finish my beer? You know, the guy's pointing, yeah. <laughs> pointing a gun at his face, you know, uh, which went, on, it you went, know? went with his character. It was, it was perfect. So a, a list of uh, kind of the new era or new wave. And, you know, I apologize. I know you guys have been doing this for nearly 20 years. So I know that sounds kind of weird to you guys, but I'll take it. I'll take a shot at, in any way if you want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a viewer, as a lover of movies, uh, you know, I'm going to be 45 this year. I've been going to the movies, like I, like I said, in the theater, any chance I can get. Definitely streaming at home now with, with COVID, but just love film, right? And I'm talking about from a from an audience perspective. And some filmmakers I've been following really closely, I'm putting you guys on a list. I wanted to give you some of these names. We mentioned Jim Cummings already. Um, yeah. Robert Eggers, Ari Aster, uh, Jordan Peele, Lulu Wang, the Safdie brothers, another brother uh, duo. Yeah, I like it too. Do you guys, uh, are you comfortable kind of being grouped into kind of these, you know, because it's just me, right? I'm just this dude. In my those are good filmmakers, man. I'm honored to be in there with those guys. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm saying it, you know, I, I want to kind of commend you and, and give you the praise too, but I know sometimes it, it can it can be weird, you know, where you're like, ah, I don't know about that. So I didn't know, you know, how you guys feel about your place, I guess, currently in Hollywood. What do you in think? my most humblest, I say, oh, I don't know about that. But in my <laughs> excited filmmaker, I'm like, dude, that's a- amazing. I'm honored to be in with those guys in your mind. That's fucking great, dude. But I think it's a really exciting time for filming, for film, right? And filmmakers, like it seems like there is like a new sort of crop coming up. And right. I'll say, I feel like I it agree. kind of happened. It happened right when... Like, what was it? I don't know, five or six years ago. Maybe it was a decade ago. But Disney kind of says, hey, we're just going to be doing, you know, $100 million tent poles. And then everybody goes. And over the last, like, decade, everyone's kind of like, yeah, that's a good idea. I think that's what we're going to do. So everybody just kind of went, we're doing tent poles now of some fashion. Sure. So everyone's kind of lean in that way. So it kind of cuts out that middle indie market where it, and it gives a great opportunity for people to like. And I think that's why some of those middle indie market films have gotten fucking racier and cooler right. and fucking more more auteurist you know what i mean it's like right. you're not you're not like there there were amazing films back in the 80s and 90s that were hitting that middle because that was kind of the golden age of the middle film exactly but yeah. but they don't quite exist now so now you've got people doing the middle film for five million bucks the middle film for 10 million bucks and they're scrappy and they're cool and they're mm-hmm. taking big chances and big swings and they don't have to abide by even back then in the 80s and 90s a studio rule of law you know you can do something like mandy and be like as bold as you fucking want with an A-lister like Nick Cage and just go batshit crazy yeah. like it's a heavy metal magazine. You're like, holy fuck, they put that on screen, you know? Or yeah, right, like, right. Good time, you know? Like that. Good, good time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to your point too, what's cool about a lot of those projects, in fact, some of the ones you just mentioned, like Good Time and Mandy, is that they also really showcase other parts of filmmaking really well. I feel like you know whether it's the music or the cinematography, like. I mean, Mandy's a fucking beautiful movie. I mean, it, yeah, it regardless if you follow the story or you're keen to the story, it just looks so like artistic. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. and, I, and I always thought that was really cool, too, because there's, you know, like we mentioned at the top, there's so many different people that bring these projects to life. So it's cool to see some other facets kind of showcased in, in different projects. So the last question, dudes, uh, before we get into our little top five list here that came to me, I'm like, well, this is happening. So 
you guys have worked with Riggs and Murtaugh, right? So you've done, yes. you, you, you had Danny Glover in Waffle Street, which, by the way, great pull there, guys. <laughs> give you that. Uh, just He's an amazing. Amazing veteran. And then, you know, we talked about Mel Gibson and Fat Man. So did that ever come up? Did you ever? I mean, we talked, we've, we've talked, talked, to, each, five, we've talked sure. to each of them and we've talked to Mel about Lethal Five since. And then, man, Lethal Five is going to be really fucking exciting. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. You that. Yeah, the you guys will be. sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, it sounds amazing. Like, not just good, like an amazing capper to that series. Like, amazing. I just didn't know, um, you know, I just know you're sitting around the set with, with Mel Gibson, which, by the way, that's a crazy experience, right, just to be saying that. But you're sitting around the set with Mel Gibson. I'm just wondering if you guys are, you know, if he's like, hey, I heard you worked with Danny or like, how's Danny doing? Yeah. Or like, whatever. Well, we, yeah. said, we said, hey, well, you know, we shot a movie with Danny a couple of years ago and he's like, oh no shit oh, love, Danny. <laughs> love Danny oh my god you know and like we did the same thing with with Danny at the time well, like, Dan, but Danny like Danny's we, we sat down Taylor boy yeah we sat down with Danny one time at lunch and he just literally started at fade end of his career fade in and went all the way to the end in San Francisco like his wow he decides it in college that he wants to start acting and he decides to join a theater Troop. And it was, and we went from there all the way to like the casting of Lethal Weapon. It was fucking amazing. That is awesome. That he that, told this amazing story where the casting director at uh, at Warner Brothers was like a she'd seen him in something else, and he and she came up to him and was like, "I think you're fucking amazing." He's like, "Oh man, thank you." And then she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work with you or whatever." And he was like, "Oh yeah, it'd be great." And then uh, she calls him like a year later and was like, "I want you to come in for this Lethal Weapon thing." And he was like, "He." And and later on, she tells him that when she was in the meeting that that they were like, well, Danny Glover, she's like, I want Danny Glover to come in and read for you guys for this. And he's like, and she tells me later that she's like, and they're like, well, Danny Glover, Danny Glover's black. And they're all, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah I think it was is. written for two white, it was written for two white guys. Oh, know? gotcha. Okay. <laughs> she was like, she's like, he said that she was like, yeah, yeah, he is. And he's going to be fucking amazing. And they're like, yeah. all right, bring him in. Let's bring do him it. In. It's Danny Glover. What are you going to do? He fucking killed it. You know? Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. Well, the Nelms Brothers guys, I'm going to put all their information in the show notes and we're going to do a fun little kind of abbreviated top five here for you because we're going to talk about our alt Christmas movies because, of course, Fat Man's coming out. So before we do that, what what are you guys doing? Because you did Fat Man. It's amazing. What can we you know, you're you guys are a filmmaking pair that I'm like. It, and this does not happen all the time where I'm like, what are they doing next? I got to see it, you know, like. I can't wait another year to see a Nelms Brothers project after seeing Small Town Crime. <laughs> I like the thinking here, man. <laughs> but, but do you know what I'm saying? Because like I saw Fat Man, right? And now I'm like binging your movies, but they're going to run out. Do you know what I mean? So I need you to keep them sure. coming for me. Okay. So what do we We're got? What do we got coming down the pipe? Because I know you're doing something. Uh, was it about Carol Burnett, right? Or we, we finished the script for that. The script for that turned it in. Uh, and I, the last thing we heard was. Um, they, we were shoot, going off to shoot Fat Man. We said, hey, we got Fat Man. And they were like, hey, do you mind if we continue on and find a director, for, like a female director for this to do this? And okay. we, were like, we were like, okay, totally get it. They're like, we want to do it now. Like Carol wants to do it now. And it, while you guys go shoot that, we're hoping to move into shooting that. And we're like, we totally get it. Of course, whatever Carol wants, honestly. Because Sure. Like, we're like, yes. And but, I mean, we're super passionate about that. So I'm not, I love that script. I'm not exactly sure where that's all going to shake out, but uh, we'll but see. But when, we, when we, we left to do Fat Man, and of course, right when Fat Man happened, COVID happened, and everything yeah. is kind of up in the air right now. I know that, uh, you know, focus is up in the air right now as yeah. far as routine change and things flying around. So I'm not quite sure where that's at now, but yeah, it's fucking great. It's such a cool project. 
Do you guys but, have uh, plans to be behind the camera anytime soon? Yes. I mean, we, we always have plans to be behind Well, the you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple. I mean, there's a couple irons in the oven right now. Um, one would be should, a little premature to, like, yeah, mention we, them. We can't talk uh, about this, but one, one, will, one will hopefully come to fruition this week and will hopefully be moving in the direction of shooting it very quickly. Uh, but of course, everything can fall apart in five seconds because that—that's the—that's probably the scariest thing about being in the yeah, film sure. is that it's not going till it's going, and then when it's going, you're going like your ass is on fire. You know, it's like okay, and it's literally up to the day, up to the hour. Okay, it's going, and then you're like, oh shit, we're a week behind, and you're just going crazy <laughs> right. to try to catch up. You know, right? Well, uh, you guys, hey, no matter what happens, uh, you guys have a fan in me, so I'm here. I'm sure you guys are like great. <laughs> All this, oh, we no, got, we got, we got yeah, sure. this, is, this is great. And honestly, like, this oh. is why we make them. Exactly. Oh, we make the films to connect with people. So I'm glad it, those connections. Like, 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 we, we, we don't sit at home and just watch our movie. It's like, <laughs> like, it's like, it's like talking to other people. It's like, what, it's worth, it's, what is it yeah. about? Like, one of the funnest things going to like screenings or going to festivals, one of the reasons we love going to festivals so much is like, uh, and going to theatrical experiences that, I swear every time we can, like we will go and stand in the wings of one of our films. I can't sit down. I'm too nervous. I can't sit down, but we will stand in the wings and like nervously, you know, pace and watch and and pray people are laughing and getting excited at the right moments. And that's, that experience is one of the most treasured ever sitting in there for standing in there for two hours in the side wings, listening to people, hopefully appreciate and get and understand what you've put up there. And that's everything, man. I do that all day. You really haven't had an experience until you listen to about 2,000 people react to the Waffle Street bathroom scene. Oh, God. (laughs) I was reacting to that one myself. I'm like, oh, man, they showed all this and here he is. Okay. And then, uh, you know, having worked in restaurants too, added a little bit of a layer uh, to that for me personally. But A little trauma. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So, I'll tell you what, guys. uh, You have your list there. Now, you said you guys did individual lists, right? So we're going to do, uh, you know, we'll just kind of go down and see. And then we'll talk about some of these movies and see why you picked them and why they're important to you. And I'll do the same. And we decided to do our top five alt Christmas movies, alternative Christmas movies or tangential Christmas movies. So these are movies that would not be considered necessarily, you know, centered around Christmas, but they take place at Christmas or they're heavily rooted and mentioned Christmas or something to that effect. Right. That's kind of how you guys went. Oh yeah. All right, cool. So uh, who wants to go first? Who wants to give me their number five? And I think if we have overlaps, we'll just, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Sure. All right. So, uh, so my number five would be rare exports, rare exports. Talk about that one. I don't know that I know that. Oh, that one's awesome. So it's essentially, it's, it's a foreign film and what is it? Norwegian or something. Yeah. They, they, they dig this, it's fucking great monster <laughs> that is kind of Santa out of the snow. Oh, and uh, you don't want to ruin it too much. Yeah, but that's, yeah don't that's ruin it for me because I'm going to watch it. That sounds fucking, fucking amazing. It's yeah. great. You it's said one of those ones you're like, how did I not know this existence? Yeah, wow. It does sound familiar, but I don't know that I I don't know if I'm going to recall that one. Well, I, let me give you my five real quick. So my five is Rocky Four, guys. Oh, now you, wow. you know what? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What a pull. Drago, Rocky, uh, over in Russia in the winter. You got that beautiful montage in there. Rocky working out, <laughs> Sly Stallone, yeah. right? And yeah. uh, and I'm an 80s junkie, too. I was born in 75, so I had a really prime years for movie watching in the 80s, particularly mid to late 80s. And this one yeah, came out at all, man. Yeah, this one came out like I want to say 85 or 86. So, yeah, that was a big deal seeing that as like an 11 year old kid. Um, 
Yeah, and it's so patriotic, right? <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? It doesn't get any more. I mean, we're still fighting Russia. <laughs> uh, so, Rocky Four for me. So, what's what's your your next one over there, guys? Uh, my number five is Gremlins. Yeah, that's on my extended list. It's a classic, and I and I would I would definitely have an overlap with that. Okay, yeah, me too. My, it's in my extended list, but I love Gremlins, man, especially my, my horror background. So, I, you know, I told you I was a horror guy. Now, I'm doing um, a top five list in December for holiday horror films. So, I, <laughs> I'm i a little crazy. I'm a sick bastard, guys. I could have done all horror movies for this, but I didn't. But I did put my favorite one on this list, and it's the classic, the seminal, what would be considered slasher film today, Black Christmas from Bob Clark from 1974. You guys seen Black Christmas? I have not seen it. It's going on my list, though. I'm going to get that on the queue. I know it. not seen it. Yes, yeah, a, Can- a Canadian film, Bob Clark. And uh, rumor has it that John Carpenter, which you guys can see my T-shirt, uh, one of my favorite filmmakers, met with Bob Clark in the mid-'70s after seeing Black Christmas and wanted to do a sequel to it. Uh, didn't work out, and that's how we got Halloween in 1978, wow. which, which a lot of people, you know, crown as the slasher movie. But it really started with Black Christmas in '74. I won't give anything away, but basically, there's a serial killer that's stalking these sorority girls on on a college campus, and he's inside the house and he's kind of taking them out. So, uh, it's one of the very, very first American slasher films. So I would definitely say wow. check it out. So that would be my four. So go ahead. Who's next? Uh, I guess I'd go with uh, Die Hard. Yeah. Four. That's low on the list. Well, for me, we're going to be. I, I guess mine aren't necessarily in order. All right, I got. I got overlap on that one, but that's my numero uno for right now. That's your one, eh? All right. It well, it's 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 on my list too. So all three of us cross over on Die Hard. Uh, so I guess you guys are in the camp that it's not a Christmas movie. You guys have heard that debate, right? There's, there's I, no I debate. Totally do not agree. <laughs> it's a tangent. Yeah. We're just lying. We're just lying. Ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun. Like there's lines. Yeah. That, right. Sure. To Christmas, right? Sure. I mean, there's jokes in there about Christmas. He's wearing a Christmas hat at one point. I mean, come on. Yeah, come on. I mean, how good is Hans Gruber in that, guys? One of the great Amazing. cinematic Amazing. villains. We were literally just talking about his performance uh, in this in this thing that we're doing right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, my number three is. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't do my four. Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, wait, didn't you share? Okay. Why? Did, well, okay. I see what you. No, uh, I got bump up. You know what? I'm gonna stick with three because now I bump up. That's right. right. <laughs> I need you guys to keep me on point here because I didn't. I don't know if I told everybody at the beginning, but they're together in the same room, so they're on the same camera. I was expecting <laughs> two uh, screens. I'm trying to keep it together here. Let, so I'll give you. I'll give you my three real quick. So my four was Black Christmas. My three would be Edward Scissorhands. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Tim Burton. That one's great. Uh, yeah. You guys like Tim Burton's whole kind of like gothic filmmaking thing? Because that obviously is not your style, but... I do. I love uh, Batman Returns. It's probably one of the best Batmans. And I mean, I know Nolan kind of took over the franchise and took over the canon, but man, Batman Returns is damn good. It really is. Damn good. It really is. And spoiler alert, a little foreshadowing for upcoming on my list. All right. Uh, That's okay. (laughs) We're we're having fun here. All right. So back over to you guys. What do you got? What's your three-inch? You go. Okay. Yeah, I don't want you to step on anything. I, I might. <laughs> yeah. My number three, or was four, but now three, is In Bruges. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to echo that one because that was just phenomenal. Yeah, that didn't make my list, but I guess maybe I didn't think of it, though, because I do love that movie. Uh, but great pick. So you guys crossed over on that one? So you guys yeah. you guys mentioned my, my two. We crossed over on Die Hard. I mean, how could we not, right? I mean, Die Hard. Come on. Yeah. John McClane. So good. Bruce Willis. So good. So good, man. I mean, it's just, it's unstoppable, that film. Did you see the? Did you guys see the uh, car battery commercial he did? 
for the Die Hard. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, like I heard that they were like the tease, the Die Hard thing. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. A lot of people were kind of pissed that he like sold out or whatever, but I was like, it's actually pretty, it's actually pretty good. So, uh, let Bruce get paid. Come on, come on. Yeah, let him do it. Let him do what he's going to do. All right, so what are you guys up to? So you crossed over there on your three was in Bruges, right? Yep, I still got two left here. Ash, you go ahead. I'm going to go with Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I was wondering if that was going to come up. Yeah. Good choice. Did you... Did you? I'm, 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 I, that's a, that was my number two. Okay, all right. So, yeah, Lethal Weapon's in my extended list, but I knew with y'all's filmography, and we talked about you had to work with these actors, I figured it would get a mention. I, I wouldn't have called you out had you forgotten it, but I would have been surprised. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that just leaves... Bastards. <laughs> right. What do I got to do to get on a list for you guys? Um, so, I only have one left. Do you guys have your... I got one left. All right. You got one left as well? That's what you got. So my number one, I'll give you my number one and then I'll hear what you guys said. Just because my number one's been spoiled, but it's Batman Returns, man. I mean, yeah, it's great. I mean, what do you got? It's absolutely amazing. And it's really good. I know you mentioned it already, but is Michael Keaton your cinematic Batman? Who's my Batman? I mean, it's probably Bale just because those okay. damn Nolan ones are so good. Man, that second one, I had like a real uh, experience at the ending. I got chills and when, like, when he saw uh, I'm coming. When you have to do the right thing for people, where the hell he says when he's like running off and he's like, when you got to do the right thing, even though you look like a villain or whatever, and he runs off. Oh, right, right, right. You're like, oh my God, what a great freaking attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, <clears throat> Batman Returns, like Michelle Pfeiffer, it's good. Danny DeVito, it's good. Keaton, Walken. Yeah. They're all Boy, either, it's, it's just so strong across the board. I mean, Batman 89 is probably one of my favorite films of all time. And then Batman Returns, it's just like they took that formula and just you could tell the budget was increased and they had all these yeah. big names in there. It was just like it was just so like glorified and stylized. And as a Batman kind of comic book nerd back then, uh, I mean, I just can't tell you the feelings of, of being able to see it on the big screen. And even when I watch it today, I still get chills. Just yeah. uh, remembering it's back then. So that'd be my number I, one, man. Batman Returns. I had two Tim Burtons on my list, but uh, I don't know. What I haven't do you... watched it in a while. It holds up. You don't feel like there's any... Uh... No, I watch it every year around the holidays, actually. And uh, I watch I watch 89 and Batman Returns pretty much every year. And I mean, they hold up for me, but I'm also probably biased. <laughs> Well, it probably holds up like Terminator would hold up for me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, Terminator holds up. You know, even though someone else watches it that's like 15, they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's falling apart. We've probably watched Predator 200 times. times. Yeah. It's It's great. It's great. Arnold, man. I mean, he's the best. So that that's what's your number one? Do you guys have different number ones? So I have down Kiss Kiss Bang. bang. Oh, so that's, good. And that's on my list so for sure. That one's yours too. I can see a little bit of that influence in y'all's filmmaking. I would say, Kiss Kiss yeah, Bang. Yeah, I, I we like we like Shane Black's work. He's got such a great dark hum- sense of humor. He's really funny. He's always got him in like some kind of crazy heightened environment. Yeah, exactly. We'll say the the only thing we do is we probably we probably go. A, little bit darker than he does at times you know like our choices probably go a little bit darker than his at times but but yeah we love his work we really do well another movie that would fit in this category that i fucking love guys is fat man and uh you guys you guys really you know should take a bow because it's an achievement it's it's got a lot of action in it and it's got a lot of really cool performances namely from from gibson and, and goggins but man it's just such a it's such a cool movie that subverts your expectations. And I'm talking about even based on like the trailers and posters and stuff, you're even kind of kind of blindsided by what you see. But it 
it's a great story. It takes a lot of that lore of, of Santa Claus and and truly does give us a new spin on it. And that's what I thought, like, what else can we, what other Santa Claus story is there? We've done this, but Fat Man is something different and it's really good. And I think everyone should see it. Guys, why don't you tell them when they can see it um, and where you want to direct them to find you? Because I really think they should look you guys up and start exploring that filmography. Oh, awesome. Well, first of all, thank you very yes, much. Yeah. That was incredibly kind. Really appreciate that, man. Mm-hmm. It's been, honestly, it's been such a great time chatting with you. Of course, uh, man. They, they can uh, they can catch Batman in the theaters, like we said, on the 13th. And then it'll be on demand and all those uh, platforms on the 24th. And you can find us at, uh, like, on no, Twitter. We have a website. At no. Nels Brothers. Dot, uh, dot com. Nelms no, Bros. Com. Twitter, we're at Nelms Brothers and on this site. Yeah. <laughs> Nelms Bros.com. That's you guys. I think Yeah, backslash, backslash. Yeah, do all that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure. I think if you just type in Nelms Bros, it'll pop It'll get yeah. you close enough for Google. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll make sure to put all that information with links in the show notes for anyone listening as well. But please check them out, guys, because I gave you that list of filmmakers earlier. Anybody that listens to my show regularly knows that I'm a cinephile, I'm a movie buff. And these guys are making Gerald's list. They're doing some good things. The Nelms Brothers. And I cannot thank you guys enough uh, for coming on the Peas, man. It really means a lot to me. And I hope we get to chat in the future when you do your next film or next project and come back on and we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah, we'd love to. Shall we look forward to it, brother? Thank you so much. Thank a- you, Gerald. Absolutely, guys. You, be, you guys be good. Good luck with everything in the future, okay? All right, man. Thank, Thank you, man. All right. Talk, talk to you guys to soon. Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.